Last week I talked about how Paul, um, you know, he had to deal with cleaning up some of the mistakes that baby Christians make and, and whatnot, you know, and just giving wise counsel here and there. But his most, <clears throat> from, from what I can see in Scripture, his favorite thing to talk about is living by the Spirit and, and, and really illustrating how Jesus came and set us free from the power of the law of sin and death and transferred us into the kingdom of his righteousness. And now we live by the Spirit. And he sums it up in uh, Galatians 5.16. I know that everyone in here hates sin, right? We all do. We, we hate sin. God hates sin. Um, but I think that sometimes it's for, for different reasons um, than why we hate sin. But Paul sums up how to live a life pleasing to the Lord in this one sentence. And he says, <clears throat> walk by the Spirit and you won't gratify the sinful desires or the fleshly desires of your sinful nature. Walk by the Spirit. So it's called the, the, the Holy Ghost Road, Holy Ghost Avenue. This, uh, this walk where we, we simply get to enjoy the presence of the Lord and let Him be our guide. Let him be our comforter. Let him be the one that, that illustrates the, and, and highlights the areas in our life that, we're, that he's changing. And we get to just rejoice while he's working on us like the, the master potter that he is. It's just, it's such a freeing thing to just commit your spirit into his hands and say, you know how to do this, God. I tried to fix myself. It didn't work out. Why don't you take over now? Yeah. And just walk by the Spirit. <clears throat> um, real quickly, I, I think that the, the Lord uh, hates sin, um, not because he's the intergalactic rule keeper, but, and, and he gets upset like when we break one of his rules. I think that he hates it because um, it actually robs us of experiencing joy. Anything that robs his children, he hates. And when we, when we sin, what, the, the real problem is what comes after, afterwards is, is we end up um, over in like religious performance zone where we're trying to earn our way back into his good graces. And that's exhausting. And many Christians spend their entire life in that zone. And they're robbed of the joy of freedom. That we can just breathe deep this free air that he's given us. <clears throat> Um, on the other side, okay, so we got this, this road, the Holy Ghost Avenue, and Rick Joyner, he's, he's famous for, for this teaching. He says that there's two ditches on either side of this road, this road to life. One is religion, and the other is lawlessness. And so um, I think a lot of us are, are familiar with kind of like the contemporary charismatic mindset of or what a religious spirit is, but I'm going to give it a go with my definition it's a mindset or a demon that seeks to substitute religious activity for the power of the Holy Spirit and the grace of God in the believer's life. The primary objective of a religious spirit is to have the church maintain an outward form of godliness while denying the power of the Holy Ghost. This is accomplished by seeking to replace true grace and repentance with religious works and performance. So you, you get out of grace <clears throat> and you get out of true repentance 
and you end up over in religious performance and, and these works. And this religious spirit will always attach works to salvation. The religious spirit will always attach works to repentance when it's believe and receive, according to my Bible, John chapter 1, those who would receive him, he gave the power or the right to become children of God to those who would believe or receive. And you're no longer born of the will of man or the will of the husband or the will of the flesh, but you're actually born of God. <clears throat> but the religious spirit will seek to get, you to get you to believe and work for things that are gifts. And that's exhausting. So we want to kick that out. But on the other side of the ditch is called lawlessness. And, um, you know, that's kind of a simpler definition. It's just pleasing, you know, your sinful nature. And... Um, in 1 Peter 4.3 it says, <clears throat> for, time, for the time that is past suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do, living in sensuality, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> glory, living in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, and lawless idolatry. That's lawlessness. It also says in 2 Peter that um, don't be carried away by the error of lawless people and lose your own stability. And something I've noticed from my own life, I've, I've actually lived in both camps. I've lived in religion and I've lived in lawlessness. And <clears throat> what, um, when I got free of lawlessness, I hated the way I used to live so much that I went way over into religion, and I put up all these rules and guidelines to completely try to avoid that ditch on the other side. Does that make sense? <clears throat> and then I, I, was in, I was in another ditch. I was in religion. And, and when I got free from religion, and the Lord showed me, you know, silly Jeremy, I set you free from all that stuff, stop striving, and, and, I, and all those burdens fell off my shoulder, and I put on that light and easy yoke. I hated religion so much that I had a tendency to swing back over into lawlessness. <laughs> and so, <clears throat> I honestly, I couldn't, I couldn't work out stability in my own strength. And one time I was, I was driving down the road and I was just asking the Lord, like, when, when is it time to um, just do nothing and rest? Like, ab do absolutely nothing and look like a complete, like, sl like, slouch? And when is it time to, like, work my tail off for the gospel and go out after the kingdom? When is it time? Because there's, you can, you can argue both sides, you know, really easily from Scripture. And, and the Lord asked me this question. He said, well, where does balance come from? And I said, from the equilibrium, Jesus. And he says, yeah, that's right. Balance will never come from thinking. Balance will never come from feeling. Balance only comes from the place of hearing. You have to hear me every day. I'm your daily bread. If you, if you want to be walking in the Spirit, listen to me. 
And you, and you won't end up in these ditches. You won't even be thinking about ditches. You'll just be enjoying life. If any, this, is, this is key. If, this is an indicator right here. If you've stopped enjoying God, you're in religion. If you've stopped enjoying God, you've gotten yourself in a ditch. And today, we simply get to realize it, ask the Lord to forgive us, and pop back up out of that ditch. He will actually release even more grace, that, that Titus 2.11 grace, where it says, The grace of God that leads all men to salvation has appeared to us, and it trains us to say no to ungodliness. If you have had an encounter with real grace with real grace, then your road has actually become even more narrow, but even more joyful. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. yeah. Because grace empowers us to walk the, the narrowest road and to enjoy it. Not always, but most of the time you'll enjoy it. <laughs> Sometimes you're getting the skin stripped off your back by religion. Not the most enjoyable moment, but grace will actually empower you to see the encounter that's coming after it. Grace will empower you to, to be able to agree with that prayer that Paul prayed where he said, I want to know you in the fellowship of your sufferings. That's, that's a weird prayer, Paul. You have an understanding of grace that I do not. <clears throat> There's a woman um, who... Uh, in, in scripture that she was just always being herself and she always made the religious spirit manifest just roar up on its hind legs and, and bust out its claws kind of religious spirit her name is Mary it's Mary of Bethany there's a few Marys in scripture and um, like, like Tracy said next Sunday is Easter and I want to I talk about the story of Mary's life and, and how she, she lived it with Jesus and how she was there at the cross. And so Mary of Bethany comes on the scene in Luke 10, and uh, it's what she's famous for. What's, what's she famous for? A couple things, but instead of Martha, she is Mary, who Rested. sits at his feet. Good job. <laughs> she's famous for just sitting, <laughs> just sitting in the place where, he, where she can hear him. She, it's like she could not be budged or moved from this place like where like the, the gracious waterfall of his words pours over her. She had to get in as close proximity to this man as possible, the living word. And so um, it's that famous story where, uh, I'll just read it. This is Luke 10.38. Jesus entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. See, Martha's awesome. You know, she gets a bad rap, but she's still awesome. She welcomed him into her house. That family would have not had an encounter with Jesus if it weren't for Martha. I just want to throw that out there. <clears throat> she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet. There's her job description, her title. Mary sits at the Lord's feet, listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the serving alone? Tell her then to come help me. But the Lord answered, Martha, Martha. <laughs> 
no, I'll never be a teen model. Do you remember that? Martha, Martha, never mind. <laughs> Brady Bunch. Martha, Martha. You are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, or the best part, which will not be taken away from her. And then we see Mary later on. In John 11, uh, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus are all siblings. Lazarus gets really sick, and, um, and Jesus is supposed to come heal him, because Jesus is Lazarus' friend. And this is what, how it goes down here in John 11, 1. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment, wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, This illness will not lead to death. This illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister Lazarus, so when he heard that he was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Which makes no sense. That sentence makes no sense. Without... <laughs> There's got to be some deeper revelation there. It says, Jesus loved Lazarus, who's about to die, and so he stayed in the village where he was two days longer. Like, he loved Lazarus, so he didn't go heal him. That's what it says. Isn't that weird? There's got to be some deeper meaning. I've heard a couple great teachings on it. I'd say ask the Holy Ghost, because he'll give you something really, really good. My favorite um, teaching that I've heard is that Jesus wanted to see someone who was dead for three days rise from the dead because he was about to do it himself. <laughs> or maybe, uh, maybe yeah, anyway, you could, you could speculate and it's really fun. So uh, Jesus goes to that town, and he's at the edge of town, and Martha goes out to meet him. This is John eleven twenty one. Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said, I know he'll rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, Son of the living God, who has come into the world. When he said this, she went away and called her sister Mary, saying in private, The teacher is here, and he's calling for you. The verse that stuck out to me is, is this next verse. It's um, verse 30. It says, Jesus had not yet entered the village but was in the place where Martha had met him. So he's lingering even longer. He's made the journey to the town, but now he's just kind of like sitting at the town gate. Why is he doing this? I actually think that Jesus was being set up by the Father to have a real encounter with Mary. You know, we, we think that Jesus is amazing, and we, ha we want to have encounters with him so badly. Of course we do. We all want that. 
And usually when we encounter the Lord, we end up what? What are some of the side effects of seeing Jesus? Yeah, you get messed up. What does that look like? I know you. The floor gets wet with your tears. You end up weeping when you encounter the Lord. But Jesus thinks you're amazing. Jesus thinks you're amazing. You know he wants an encounter with the real you? He stayed outside the town and it drew Mary out there. And his unfiltered Mary. She comes out there and says the same words but with a completely different heart. And she's saying, Lord, if you would have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. She may have even been mad at him. I would have been. I've got a human brain that doesn't see eternity perfectly. I would have been angry. You let my brother die and you're his friend. He, she's being honest. Yeah. And he's getting an encounter with unfiltered Mary. And what, what ends up happening to Jesus? He weeps. He weeps. Oh my, Jeremy. Oh my gosh. He's undone. It's one of the most famous verses in scripture. Famous because it's the easiest one to remember because it's so short. <laughs> but, but it's also the only place in the whole Bible that it says that Jesus was weeping. It's John 11.35 and it simply says, Jesus wept. Mary, her whole life was known for socially awkward, uninvited moments of worship. I mean, socially awkward this girl was. She would just go over the top with, you know, the pouring out of the perfume, which we're about to read. I mean, she's, she wouldn't serve. She'd just sit at his feet. She's, she's this girl that is unhinged. There's a strong case that she's also the, 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 the same woman at Simon the leper's house who, who pours out perfume on the Lord, wipes his feet with her hair, and then Jesus says, she's, you know, she's been forgiven of much, so she'll love much. There's a strong case it's the same girl. How many girls do that? Pour out perfume on a dude and wipe his feet with her hair. I mean, that's kind of like a calling card. for like that, that's, that's like Sasha worship, you know? No one else does that. You know what I mean? Anyway. <clears throat> but when Mary pours out her perfume, it's, it's the exact same. It's word for word in, in the Synoptic Gospels. In Matthew, Mark, and Luke, it's word for word. They're at Bethany. She pours out this perfume that's worth 300 denarii or a year's wages, which is 50 grand, you guys. $50,000 that she cannot recover. She pours it out. There's all this parallel language. It's the exact same story. And, and then the, the religious spirit rears up and says, why this waste? This money could have been given to the poor. That's a great idea, religious spirit. We, I mean, we, we love to take care of the poor. 
I mean, $50,000, we could buy a, a couple nice vans and pick up poor people every night and bring them to church or something, you know? Or we could, I mean, that, that's a lot of bread. $50,000, you could have done great stuff with that. But the religious, the, the, the disciples were actually manifesting a religious spirit that was offended by uninvited, socially awkward, extravagant worship. And Mary again chooses the best part. Every time she does something like this, she gets attacked by the religious spirit. <clears throat> So she's the girl who's at his feet, pouring out perfume, wiping his feet with her hair. She's weeping before him over Lazarus. Jesus actually says something uh, spectacular. When, when he defends her to the disciples, he says, leave her alone. She's actually anointing me for my burial. Which stands to reason that she's the only one that understood what time it was. She's the only one who actually got what he was saying, that he is going to be betrayed in the hands of the Jews, die. And she's thinking, this is my moment. I've got a $50,000 jar of perfume, and there's nothing I'd rather do than pour it all over him right now because I might not see him tomorrow. And then she's at the cross, one of the worst days of her life, seeing her Savior die. You know, at that cross, um, the Bible makes sure that we know that everyone deserted Jesus, except for John and a, and a gaggle of Marys. And, and Jesus is even crying out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He feels the full force of being forsaken. Of being deserted. He's hanging there and all of his buddies... His disciples who said they'd go to the grave with him. His, his disciples that are like always so gung-ho, they've deserted him. But there's a girl there named Mary. And while he's hanging on that cross, he's actually hearing from the accuser himself, why this waste, Jesus? Jesus, you could, have, you could have been preaching for another 30 or 40 years. You could have been shepherding the lost sheep of Israel. You could have written books about how to heal, how to walk on water, how to multiply food. Retired, a wealthy minister. Your itinerary schedule would have been filled. You would have preached at all the greatest synagogues. Why this waste, Jesus? Jesus. 
Why are you pouring out your life like this? And he's hanging there deserted by everyone, but there's this aroma rising from his skin. And it's the fragrance of Mary's perfume. And it's comforting him and reminding him why he's hanging on that cross. Do you guys know that Jesus still has a body? The Trinity is like, it's always going to exist. Jesus, Jesus is in a human body forever. It's a glorified human body. That means that that same body that Mary poured all the perfume over is the same body that had the skin ripped off its back, nails pushed through his hands and ankles, a crown of thorns pressed in his scalp, his beard ripped out, his face spit on the same body, died on that cross, went into a grave, rose again, and then they watched Jesus after they touched, he said, touch me and see, I'm flesh and bone. They, the disciples actually watched Jesus in his body go up into heaven. And then angels came and said, why are you staring into heaven? He's going to come the same way. Have you guys ever heard of the fragrance of the Lord when he shows up in a meeting? It's Mary's perfume. He forever smells like the fragrance of her worship. I've smelled them show up a couple times. Everyone in the whole room smelled the fragrance of the Lord. Deaf ear opened. Like crazy stuff happened. Everyone was jumping. It smells amazing. I mean, you can't you can't wipe off that stuff. That that oily. Anybody ever done essential oils? <laughs> it's like that times ten. You know, it's fifty thousand dollar big jar of it. He's gonna smell like that. That's Jesus. He loves to honor you. Jesus, when he defends her, he says, wherever this gospel is preached, what she did will be told in memory of her. Whenever he shows up, you actually smell her perfume. You guys, I'm telling you the truth. This is, this is the way our Jesus is. He actually sits on a throne that a man built named David. He sits on the throne of David forever. He will honor you for all of eternity with the way that you extravagantly pour out your worship to him, with the way that you extravagantly pour out your life to him. He will honor you forever. All of your failures are temporary. All of your victories are eternal. He drinks from Jacob's well. He drinks from a well that a man built. He refreshed himself and sat there so that Jacob could be honored again in Scripture. So that he could meet that Samaritan woman and give her that word of knowledge and go save that whole Samaritan village. Your life will be a monument of love to the Lord and he will honor you forever. This is the ultimate graffiti tag. <laughs> I was actually driving here this morning, uh, actually driving to Starbucks, 
to uh, get my thoughts together before church, and I saw on 635 some graffiti guy just tagged all those new pillars, um, and uh, it actually was really good looking art, but it was terrible placement. Obviously, it's breaking the law, um, <clears throat> but every pillar was tagged, and then I opened up my, my notes, and I remembered that the Lord told me this years ago. Actually, opened my notes and it said graffiti tag this morning. So he was preaching to me. I hope he's preaching to you. So experiencing real grace will mean that your road becomes very narrow. And things that are okay for other people might not be okay for you anymore. But it will also be the most joyful route you've ever walked on. And guys, the definition of sacrifice will change. You won't even really understand why people say sacrifice. It's a sacrifice. Because all you'll want to do is honor the joy that's set before you. All you want to do is focus on the joy. He's worth it. Why this waste becomes a meaningless question. And the only path that true love will lead us down is a path where we lay down our own lives. Guys, the, the greatest evil in the, in the world is subtle. And it sounds like good ideas. It sounds like you should have given that money to the poor. The greatest evil in the world is believing that you can have lasting happiness outside of a relationship with Jesus. It is the most subtle, most deceptive thing that is taking over the whole world. Happiness this, happiness that, you know, join a charity, do this great stuff, and you'll feel fulfilled. It won't last, I promise you. I promise you. You'll end up being one of the, one of the Christians wearing five different rubber bracelets and cloth shoes and, and a pink ribbon and, and you'll be doing all these great things and have been to several countries and completely devoid of happiness because you've tried through good works to get lasting happiness. The whole world will respect you. You'll be dead on the inside. We've got to learn to sit at his feet and get in the proximity where we can hear his words. That'll be the only way that we have balance in that place of hearing.